Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast Feed, and this episode of the Force Center Podcast Feed is one of our deep dive episodes. This episode, we are going to deep dive into the great book, Skywalker, A Family at War. I'm very excited to dive in. I'm Joseph Scriptron. I'm Ken Napsuck. I've been waiting for this kind of book, and it finally arrived, and now it's time to crack open the pages and dig in deep. 
Yeah. <laughs> Lots of just exciting words for discussing yeah. a book. We're, we're cracking. We're digging. This is going to be great. Uh, but first, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, the, this week, we are recommending Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. That one has been on my mind because it is another look at the same time period as the good old bad batch the brand new show the good old brand new show that we're all enjoying it looks like it looks like everyone's really enjoying which is so thrilling here in the star wars fandom so we recommend checking out ahsoka to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash center again that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook but can we have even more offers we do, we do indeed. Another offer for you, all of you. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, Star Wars Galactic Baking, just came out on May 4th. We have copies. It's great. Our listeners are cooking things from it. So take advantage of this great offer and pick up Star Wars Galactic Baking with that checkout code FC35. So there you go, Joseph. Yeah, and, and if you do get that book, please uh, feel free to tweet us uh, your pictures of your delightful Star Wars Galactic Baking. We would love to see that. But yeah, we could be talking about galactic baking all day, but instead we're going to be talking about another book, Skywalker, A Family at War. There's so much to talk about, so we're going to dive right in. Uh, like I said, this book is titled Skywalker, colon, A Family at War. It is a biography of the Skywalker line. It is written by Kristen Baver. We're going to be uh, talking a bunch of the big picture stuff, but then we're also going to get into just all of the fun or intriguing details that are in this book. So, Ken, to kick off, what is your just overall reaction to this book were you surprised by it did it deliver what you expected what was your general reaction as you can tell from my exciting words up top now i was uh, very much looking forward to a concept like this to to arise in, in official star wars capacity and to actually get it in my hands and and take a uh take a read through it was really rewarding very fun uh everything i kind of wanted and and just kind of uh, glad it's uh, glad it's glad it's here I love this kind of stuff. I want more of this stuff on my Star Wars shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've been really looking forward to this book, and it did not disappoint. Uh, I know I've mentioned it a, a couple times mm-hmm. on the podcast, but I had a great experience uh, for myself where uh, James Arnold Taylor, of course, the wonderful voice actor of Obi-Wan Kenobi, was interested in doing some sort of one-person Obi-Wan Kenobi show that that took all the storytelling and tied it all together. Uh, and I, I worked on, on writing that, and uh, there's nothing to be done with it right now, which makes uh, great sense, what with the Kenobi show coming out we'll talk about that uh more and who knows maybe there'll never be anything uh to be done with it but i had such great fun writing it as a fan uh because it was a similar exercise you know very different because it was obi-wan expressing his life but it was this idea of taking all of the different events from uh, movies and uh, television shows and comics and and stringing them all together and then having those moments that pop out when you look at it all on a line. So doing that experience got me even more excited for this book to see an official Lucasfilm book that wasn't just one character, but that was all of the Skywalker lineage and having those great moments uh, where 
themes and ideas come out because they're not separated by movies or years or you don't have to read this comic and then you know refer it back to a television show it's just all laid out in the book and then there's also those beautiful moments where we know what characters did but there's maybe like a little gap of what were they thinking or what were they feeling or how did they transition from this moment to that did they think about this thing that we the audience thought of where there's a lot in this book that's laying out what we know uh, from TV shows, movies, books. But it is also uh, some great moments where Kristen Baver is the author, gets to to take some some leaps and say, ooh, what do we think uh, was going on there? And that makes it really enjoyable because not only is it a record of what is that we can all see on screens or, or read on pages, but it's also this personal experience of a biographer of, okay, it's open to interpretation how we get from this beat to that beat or why did this character do this or what were they thinking in that moment and it's great to see those uh subjective uh authorly you know choices that she makes as well yeah one and one thing i really love about it is it's um it connect it connects and combines best of both worlds for a lot of the star wars fans we we love the canon stuff we love looking at a checklist of this happened, that happened, and this happened, and, and this scratches that big itch. And then the other side of the thing we love here, the emotional canon, the themes, and the connections of all these stories and characters. And just to to take it all in, and, and yeah, a lot of times you're reading this going, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that because I watched that movie a thousand times. But it's it's to see it in the big picture. It's just I, I keep going back to fun. It really was a fun read for me. It was it was an easy read in that sense of just it it you felt like you were in the cradle of these movies you love, just kind of rolling around with the themes and the events. And that was that was, that was uh, what made it so fun for me. Yeah, and I think another thing for me is uh, you know definitely some of the ideas and themes were brand new, and we're going to talk about it. But some of them were like, yeah, those are the kind of things that uh, you and I talk about on the podcast, and so many other uh, fans who are real all in Star Wars fans uh, dig into all those connections. But reading it and just remembering, like, this is this book is so great for uh, people who like Star Wars, um, but, you know, don't do or listen to a thousand podcasts. Maybe they mm-hmm. only see the movies to kind of bring all of these uh, ideas that are there to the surface in such a great, uh, uh, straightforward way is just is really powerful. Um, I'm definitely going to be giving copies of this book uh, to, to people I know because of that. And then the other thing about it that I really wanted to mention big picture is that it's told with such compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, the story of Star Wars in the Skywalkers is, is many things, including uh, whiz bang fun and, and even uh, I think healthy versions of power fantasies of what if I got to be a Jedi? What if I was the hero with the lightsaber? You know, Star Wars is all those things, but this book is told because it's written like these people are real it is told with such compassion in this book is a great way to focus on the ideas of star Wars, um, like kindness and acceptance and hope and belonging. And, and how does fear get to you when you don't have these things that every human being should have? It's such a great way to highlight the really kind human lessons of star Wars. Uh, very much with the family at the center of it all. And uh, it, that was very effective. Just kind of, um, uh, again, I said warmth, but it's just, there's a lot of warmth and, and care and love for Star Wars, but a lot, a lot of uh, warmth and, and care and love for the, 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 the what the characters are going through. Yeah, exactly. Uh, final thing for me in, in the big picture is I also just really love from a personal experience that uh, the pictures, that includes pictures, that's always nice. Uh, but the pictures are 
kind of stylized in the writing, the way they're laid out, the same way the images were in the original Star Wars uh, storybooks that came out for the movie. So I had a great nostalgic uh, flashback uh, looking at those. Well, so the, yeah, the pic, great point about the pictures because uh, as I, I love biographies uh, of all kinds, and so one of my favorite things in the biographies is you you read two hundred pages and they get to some pictures and it's like the bar in eighteen eighty two that you heard read about fifty pages ago and you're like <laughs> oh yeah that's what it looked like even though I've seen every one of these Star Wars pictures you know x number x, x number of times I got to the picture section and was like oh yeah that that's right Shmi yeah oh well that, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's great just to see like what images were pictured and imagine you read this book having no idea, having never seen Star Wars. Like that's the picture that you see of, of Obi-Wan. It's like, oh, that's what that guy looks like. OK, looks uh, looks like he's got uh, some rough things in his past. OK. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Great selection. Um, so another big picture thing I want to discuss, Ken, that as you were reading, uh, did you imagine any sort of uh, in Star Wars world author or perspective who was you know, writing this and why um, th- there's a great author's notes in the back where uh, Kristen Baver is very clear about, you know, I, I wanted to create uh, a world where these are real people and treat them as real characters. And like, this is a real biography of real people. So, you know, that's her real world author uh, perspective. But did you imagine like, how did this document come to be in the galaxy of star Wars? I, I, it, I didn't in the sense, cause I don't, it, it, it was, I, I I took it like these were real characters, but Kristen was a, a college professor teaching us about it, right? <laughs> In almost the present day. Uh, I've mentioned before, I, I may mention them again during this review, there's some some Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire history books that George R. R. Martin or, or others have put out that are uh, written as maesters. And that's an easy leap to be like, yeah, there's 10,000 years of maesters who could write some book that you've, ne- and you've never heard the maester before. I think in Star Wars, if if this book had started and it's, uh, you know, Bavier Christan, and <laughs> you would, you would have, I, I might've got lost in that. Like, well, what, what, you know, what, what, what year? Cause we get hung up on those, can- even, even like Kelleran Beck with I'm at best on the, on the, on the game show. It's still, you want to know, well, where, well, where, where, where in the timeline is this? And I think we as Star Wars fans get held up on that sometimes. So I was glad it didn't have that approach, but I, I would be open to that in the future. So Baverer Kristen is a, is a Jedi professor uh, I, I, I could use in canon. Yeah. And just like, uh, like uh, Keller and Beck, then we have to worry about, all right, is this, is this before or after Order 66? Do we need to be worried about these Jedi? Exactly. Always, always the timeline thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I really enjoyed that this was trying to be this very, uh, I think, like journalistic account, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of imagined a a future Jedi scholar, uh, you know, way in the future, who's looking back and has maybe even communed with uh, with the wills or, or with the, yeah. the voice of the Force itself, because there is um, this book is written to be like let's let's be balanced about the successes and the failures. Uh, we're going to document, you know, the external events, but this is also internal so it, it's it's got this great sense of like truth to it and, it and for me it's fun to imagine a jedi scholar who's just trying to get it all down and the jedi scholar doesn't have any opinion the jedi is just trying to record what is truth yeah i like that yeah yeah uh so the book really uh, treats all skywalker storytelling is entirely equal including moments from films tv shows books comics uh, even some uh, video game moments how do you feel about that? Uh, needed, 100% needed, right? It would feel incomplete at this point if we didn't get that. And I think that's 
one of the reasons you'd want this book. I'm interested in a, a maybe a, a book called All Roll Roads Lead to Jakku. When it's the Battle of Jakku, and there's so many <laughs> stories going on there from videos, comics, books, and more that, uh, you know, I, I would love to dive into that. And, and so I needed this book to do that. It would have felt incomplete. It, it I'll be honest, it, it, this isn't on, on, on Kristen at all, but like it highlighted some of the comic stuff doesn't pop as much for me as it does for other people. I'm, I'm Nothing. It's not bad stuff. It's just like, ah, you know, it, you know, the comics go into weird places sometimes or they, they just, you know, spiral into wonderful comic like side adventures. And some of those are mentioned here. And so it highlighted that like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's there. It's part of the story. I'm going to engage with that part of the story uh, as it's presented to me. But it it, um, it doesn't connect as much with me. So but uh, I love that it was treated equally because then uh, then I could see even better how it fits into the story. Yeah, so even when it was relating maybe some comic book stories that are not your favorites, you were still happy to have that sort of perspective uh, that it these are all stories that happened to the characters. Yeah, because then it can even help me remember number one or two just to yeah add add uh, it adds importance to those comic book stuff there which probably a conversation on star wars comics <laughs> now there's some big moments that i absolutely love and some we've talked about a lot but some of them yeah it just seems a it seems a little weird to me at times and 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 this uh this dealt with it in such a nice way that it, it flowed it flowed nicely yeah, I think for me, I, it, it's one of the things that I was most looking forward to this book of being able to really connect all of the moments in a in a linear way. Mm-hmm. And there's been some great storytelling in books and comics that I feel like it, it is really great to emphasize. And I feel like there's for me this this uh, duality in Star Wars that I feel like the movies can and should stand on their own. I feel like somebody could be a big Star Wars fan and watch nothing but the films maybe have a little bit of their own head cannon here and there to kind of connect some of these like the more little technical questions of how did this person get here or when did this person know this information all that kind of stuff you can have a little bit of, of fun head cannon but the movies are a complete adventure and story by themselves mm-hmm. so that's like one truth because sometimes when i tell uh fans who are fans of the movies that like oh but that that's explained in this book then i'll get this pushback of like well, you shouldn't need a book to explain it. And I don't think we need uh, all of the books in the comics to explain the movies, but that doesn't mean that they don't make them much richer and just kind of build to the tapestry, right? And this book, a book like this, is a celebration of all of the storytelling being equal, you know? Yeah. And just really showing the entire tapestry. Yeah, and it, and it does a very good a job of that. Yeah, and it, we get it again. Probably another conversation for another show, and we've had those before. But yeah, it it, it it's it, you need to business wise everything needs to maybe stand up on its own. But it's all there. It exists, and it's real, and it's there for you to access. And this book, I think, might help people access parts of those the stories that they've maybe uh, overlooked because it's not a movie. Yeah, and I also think for me, and and I think this is something that you and I have discussed on the podcast, and I think it's true of even though we as fans can get into these discussions of, well, what was legends and uh, what is canon? And, you know, what, what is something that was told in canon, but it's from a, an unreliable narrator, so we don't know the full truth? And is Lucasfilm going to confirm X? You know, we can get into, like, lots of uh, concerns about what is truth, what is headcanon, and mm. totally understand why. Yeah. But I also think there is that truth at the end of the day of, like, it is a, a fantasy tor- story being told, uh, you know, uh, about a long time ago. And we can all pick and choose, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And there are some moments for me in books and comics that are like really important to me. And Mm -hmm. I love to see them highlighted uh, in a book like this. 
laying it all out. Like in particular, uh, one that I really responded to is the events in Bloodline, mm-hmm. where we learn that Leia and the rest of the the clan, the Skywalker family, and Han has kept from Ben the connection to Vader. Right. And I love the work that's done highlighting that moment from Bloodline or that idea from Bloodline and weaving it into the entire tapestry of uh, Ben Solo's fall. And that for me is like an example of a bit of canon that, yeah, you you don't need that in order to watch the movies. But now that it exists and it is a, a, a part of his journey, it's a really in- important part and it was just like really gratifying to see it uh, highlighted and, and connected to everything so much. Yeah, that was one of that. Absolutely, one of the highlights was that 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 section. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the book kind of frames two objects as symbols of the Skywalkers. The prologue is about Vader's mask, and the epilogue is about the Skywalker blade. How do you feel about that? Does that feel right to you that those are the these symbols of the Skywalkers and, and what are your thoughts on those being the symbols? I think, I think it's fair to say they are, I, you know, I'm trying to think of other little things that, that might uh, emerge and, you know, maybe princess Leia's new hope hairstyle might be the only other <laughs> image that you might say that's that. No, it really worked, especially how it was, was framed of, of, of clearly what the, the helmet of Vader, uh, what it means throughout the generations, what it means to different people and different interpretations. And, and uh, that, taken off and it is uh, darkness and and uh, great i love that it, specifically the one about leia seeing it is uh you know constricting and the oppression and how she you know the, the the it was a symbol of crushing the rebellion in a way and all those kind of things that uh, related to her story um we know what it meant to ben solo of uh yeah that seems pretty cool let's do that and <laughs> things but on the flip side to get through all the story to start from there uh, an iconic image that's um you know, definitely bursted, uh, just burst out of the walls of Star Wars through the years. Vader's helmet's just so known. Um, to now go to the this lightsaber, which to me is a symbol of hope. I was even thinking at, at times in a general sense, um, you know, Ben didn't necessarily see it, but uh, maybe he did. I don't know. Kylo, maybe he did. But I, I go to the some of the, the those early Star Wars posters where, you know, every time Luke has that in the poster, he's holding it up, right? Like it's like, oh. It's it's this beacon, and and I thought that really worked. Yeah, no, I mean he's a knight, right? He did yeah. pulled the sword from the stone. It's the fated weapon that will bring uh, peace and justice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times, especially you know, even in the sequel trilogy, it is it is it is uh, its legacy. It it, it uh, heirloom blade. Uh, I I think Kristen said that a few times mm-hmm. in the book. Um, but but I also see it just it it is. It is hope, and and Ray at time feels she needs to pass the hope on. Uh, then she needs to learn that it is her hope, and then builds her own hope. And uh, and but yeah, that really works. So to to start with this mask that is a symbol of so many things, most of them bad, but but to focus on this weapon that passed through generations, and each time it represented hope, that worked for me on a on a, on a big level. Yeah, yeah, no, I really like uh, like what you're saying here. I'm so delighted that it started with Vader's mask. Like you said, great turn of phrase, bursting out of the walls. Yeah. <laughs> it is the uh, the Kool-Aid man image of Star Wars. It just burst through <laughs> Vader's mask. Um, but I really feel like the power of Vader's mask in the sequel trilogy and its relevance to the sequel trilogy is, is sometimes uh, under-discussed or under-emphasized among us fans. Um, I think it's such a symbol that's not, it's not just Kylo, right. Who's, who's worshiping it or, or looking to it for guidance or, or, you know, power. Um, it's a symbol that 
everything that's happening in the sequels is the shadows of the past grasping at the present, you know? Mm-hmm. It is the idea of this this Skywalker trilogy is about generations of Skywalkers, uh, but we start with uh, Anakin's fall and then Anakin's redemption, and then I really think the sequel trilogy is kind of Anakin's shadow of, mm-hmm. great, you returned to the light and you did the right thing, Anakin, but your, your actions as Vader uh, ripple out and continue to affect individuals and continue to affect the galaxy. So I really like that centering of of vader's mass because i think it is powerful to all the generations but in particular even more powerful to the sequel era than we sometimes discuss yeah 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 it it yeah i agree that it's there i'm glad i'm glad it uh uh, was featuring rose skywalker again and and uh in a lot of ways yeah well said yeah and then this the skywalker blade i really like what was done uh in this book is i think it did ultimately come across as uh tipping the scales toward hope but this book is that was one of the things that this book kind of took the time with when it put it all in a row right because in the in the original trilogy it, it is this symbol of legacy and it's the symbol of the possibility of these more uh these days of of peace and justice returning and of mm-hmm. uh you know luke answering the hero's call and and all of these hopeful things and then in the sequel trilogy it is legacy a little bit of a complicated legacy but it is much more a symbol of should there be jedi uh should you uh stand up and fight can you find a way to fight in a way that's not going to hurt other people Mm. who does the past belong to how do you bring it into the present it's kind of this uh this symbol of i think legacy more than anything else but what this book does is is take its presence in the uh prequel trilogy and deal with it fairly too of this blade did some awful things too so how is that you know a part of its legacy um Mm -hmm. i like the idea that uh that was fresh for me in this book, the idea that Anakin forged it knowing he was going to war. Yeah. And that this is a weapon of war made at the beginning of the clone wars. I hunger for, for more storytelling about Anakin making this blade, but I mm-hmm. really like that sort of thematic idea. So I really like by the end when, when it is popping up in uh, that epilogue mm-hmm. that to me, it, the Skywalker blade is definitely a symbol of hope, but by the end it had also become uh, a symbol of, of choice almost a symbol of the skywalkers of they wield great power and you can choose how to use it and more times than not this symbol of power has been used for hope and inspiration and, and to pass on what you have learned but but there have been some bad times as well yeah born into darkness as it uh it gets pulled into the light it's like a good yeah good springsteen song or a star wars lesson <laughs> yeah, and I like the 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 reminder uh, that it is buried with the matriarch Shmi. That is uh, that that's the the fate of this blade for now. It's a great reminder. Uh, a couple of uh, of themes that I wanted to discuss. Ken, I, I think the book does a great job of um, capturing a lot of the big themes of Star Wars. But I felt like there were a couple that were kind of uh, pulled out and highlighted to uh, connect amongst the generations. Uh, one was this idea that a defining trait of the Skywalkers is that they constantly find themselves mired in war, you know, per the title. <laughs> yeah. uh, war is, you know, a pretty large external conflict, uh, but that their passionate natures also lead them to great internal struggles. So I felt like the book was constantly reminding us uh, that there is external and internal battles to be waged. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you like this? Did you find that relatable? What did you get out of that idea? 
on the surface, I had a flashback to uh, was the Empire Strikes Back certain point of view uh, story where Kenobi was kind of like, yeah, the Skywalker's man always pulled me into problems. Paraphrasing, uh, <laughs> of course, but just had that spirit. No, because that that's the Star Wars story. You and I always talk about these themes of choice. You just brought a, a great example with the lightsaber, what it might represent and where it comes from. And we get into some of the choices with uh, Kylo Ben and, and Ray that, that uh, you know, about uh, – not just found family, but uh, choosing your own destiny or where you fit into the story or, you know, the legacy and you're not, you're not uh, predestined to to, to do what came before in your own line or, or having that crushed, that, that crush you in a way. So to, to have that, uh, that, and that's life. And what I'm getting at here is that's life and that's Star Wars. And that's the lessons there. We always talk about needing to connect to the original just thoughts of, of George creating this whole thing and, and this, this speaking to 12 year olds, the fable thing we love so much. It's because it's so powerful. And, and that this is the family at the center of it all. So that's us every day. Every day <laughs> we have external conflicts and how we process them, uh, deal with them, or choose to react to them uh, is is the internal struggle that's even more important. So it, it really resonates. Yeah, I think that was what I really liked about it the most is it, it does make them very relatable. You have the absolute mm-hmm. fun and the mystery and the awe of this being a myth of mm-hmm. these uh, amazingly powerful uh, Skywalkers who who can change the, the fate of the galaxy uh, but also it, it makes them just totally relatable of like, yes, uh, I need to get groceries today. That's my external conflict. <laughs> and I have an internal conflict about, uh, that's going to dictate how I handle it. You know, uh, even down to the mundane, just that reminder yeah. that, um, that our individual battles are extremely important. We all matter as individuals and we're all, all going through some sort of internal struggle, but, you know, the larger group matters and our, our choices ripple out, you know, an act of kindness can beget an act of kindness and an act of cruelty can beget an act of cruelty. And I feel like kind of heightening that theme of like, that's the challenge of Skywalkers is massive internal conflict. And then uh, when they put their thumbs on the scale of the external conflict, they can make a real difference based on how well the internal battle is going. You know, Joseph, it's like driving traffic. We all, it's the conflict and then someone cuts you off. That's the internal conflict. <laughs> exactly. Do? Exactly. I want a horn that honks. I understand you made an aggressive choice because you're having a bad day, so I'm going to let it go. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That would make the whole galaxy a better uh, place. I also just kind of like it because I think the story, the actual events of Star Wars, the Skywalkers certainly make some big choices uh, that affect the entire galaxy. Uh, But the crucial moments are often them just resolving, you know, a personal familial conflict, you know, yeah. uh, after all, all of the uh, stress and worry and prophecy of Anakin being the chosen one, it, you know, ultimately what he did is uh, throw an old man down a shaft, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he, he made a personal familial choice, you know, <laughs> uh, that's star horse. That's that, that throw old men down shafts. <laughs> Not just any. I mean, let's not get random yeah. about this. That is yeah. not. I think that's taken too long. Wrong. I also just did like it that that is a great way to uh, connect the traits of the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, even the steadfast ones, like I think Leia and, and Ray in general, are, are pretty steadfast. But they're they have just as much internal conflict as some of the other characters. They might just handle it a little bit better. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
So uh, another theme that got pulled out that I really liked is uh, needing the warmth of acceptance. Uh, you know, Anakin loses that comfort, losing Shmi and Qui-Gon, and he longs for it. And it, he gets manipulated by Palpatine because she gives Anakin the illusion of acceptance. Uh, there's a great passage in there about Luke enjoying the acceptance that Obi-Wan offers after, you know, his uh, his gruff uncle always telling him what not to do. That Obi-Wan's like, here's all this world that you could be a part of, that you should be a part of, that he really likes that acceptance. Um, a little bit of a portrait of Leia being more grounded because she did have uh, her parents' acceptance. Uh, a lot of great stuff about Ben Solo fearing that his family didn't accept him. And again, thinking that Snoke did. Uh, of course, Ray's story is really, really well told of her longing for family and acceptance. So mm. did you like that this theme was so pulled out of just this very human thing of needing acceptance and the dangers of, of not feeling like you are accepted? Yeah, very much. It, it resonated, oddly enough, it resonated with uh, the Leia stuff, um, which is just um, taking what's there in the story, going back to even, you know, 77 and going, here's the difference. And, and it's, it's not commenting on, on, you know, again, I think Owen and Brew did the, their best uh, damn job they could uh, with the weight of the knowledge they had hanging over them the whole time. So it's just seeing the differences, but, but Leia coming from, you know, the, the grounded background, like you said, and knowing a lot more of her past, knowing and, and finding herself within that acceptance can be a dangerous thing in life, right? You might try to get accepted by a group that you, you know, maybe you shouldn't, or, or you adapt your, yourself to, to get accepted. Mm. And Star Wars is very much about identity. Ray's story to me is about finding who you are, but while getting and finding the, the, finding that acceptance and, 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 um, Ben is the other side of that, uh, of, 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 not feeling accepted when maybe he was and he can't process it right. And so, so it's all kinds of things. It, I, basically, what I'm, I'm describing junior high, uh, <laughs> which is, again, what Star Wars kind of is about. So, no, I, 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 there was little points along the way. I'm glad you pulled this theme out where uh, I'm thinking of um, Anakin confessing to Padme and, and, and Kristen Baver writes about that in, in, in Attack of the Clones and, and, the, and the Tusken Raider incident and how she approached it with compassion and sympathy and, and which was good and needed, but then Palpatine saw it as an opportunity. Yeah. I accept that too. And, 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 and so it's a strategy for Palpatine and he can manipulate that idea of acceptance, um, which again, about choice, it could be two different directions and, and, and a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. I, I think it is, uh, it's such, just such a great picture that, that compassion and acceptance are, of course, just deserved by all humans and needed. But in the myth of Star Wars, how much it opens not feeling loved or wanted or accepted or feeling held back from your potential is just like such an invitation uh, for the lie of the dark side of oh, they're not letting you be who you want to be. You're so great. You know, if you just uh, did all these horrible things, you'd be great, you know, or really that lie of you'll be you'll be the person you should be. And then once you go through that door going like, oh, yeah, that's some horrible yeah. things over here, too. Um, and I like that it really focused on that kind of flip side, too, that um, we talked about this a lot when we did our deep dive into uh, the the opera box scene in Revenge of the Sith about mm, yeah. how much the dark side relies on the lie that the light in the dark uh, are the same yes that they that they're both about seeking dominance and power so you take you know frustrated angry uh young people who who need acceptance and, and need guidance uh, like anakin like ben uh like like luke up to a point 
like what Ray fears is going on with her, uh, you know, and tell them that, well, you don't feel accepted, uh, but the dark side will accept you. And the dark side isn't that bad. They're both about power. So just give the dark side a try. Um, and what I feel like this book really got got to with this theme of acceptance is once you fall to the dark side and you're clinging to that lie of like, I was a weak fool uh, to think that the light side, that there is really any such thing as a light side. Everybody wants dominance and power and, and the dark side is, the, is honest about it. Uh, if you're clinging to the dark side because you think oh, oh, everyone wants power mm. and everyone is about dominance, that somebody approaching you laying down weapons and showing compassion diffuses that lie that what everybody everybody is after is power and control right yeah it worked yeah for vader and then for for a little bit for for kylo at the end yeah 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 for honda kylo and for leia to kylo it's just a really great framing of if you uh don't have acceptance you are open to the dark side once you're in the dark side uh you convince yourself that of it's a lie that anybody ever would have accepted you and so somebody coming to try to accept you even once you have done uh awful things yeah it just it just sort of undermines that dark side argument that both sides are the same yeah yeah would you say too like going in we did the scene by scene on uh vader and luke on the on the walkway in return of the jedi when luke turns himself into vader and 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 kristen baver goes into pretty good detail on that sequence and uh, and i like there a little bit of uh Luke's acceptance almost being the first uh, weapon used in a way, and he's not weaponizing it, but just like it, it stung Vader in a way. Like, and like, oh wait, there could be acceptance there for me that I didn't think was was there before, and um, a little bit not a softening of the heart. Vader's, you know, got got some choices to make still, but you know what I mean. Like it was, it was, it was like a, the the power of acceptance uh, can can be uh, used very, uh, very, uh, very well, and very with a great purpose in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, just kind of boil it down to kind of like this human level that um, yeah. I, I think uh, the book really captures uh, the mythic, and but there are also just these really human moments. Uh, I like the way that that bridge scene was described of like Vader kind of couldn't believe that his son didn't come at him trying to cut his head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> like, I expect because of the lie of the dark side that my son will want to kill me. Of course. Of course he will. And like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it almost just felt like you know a, a true human scene of like you know a father who's done some some crappy things and they expect their son to show up at their birthday party yelling at him. Their son, son, you know, shows up with the with the Father's Day card and they're like, "What the hell? How is this possible?" Yeah, no, um, no. Th- thanks for putting a little final point on it. I will admit, I was in La Jolla doing comedy, reading this book, maybe slightly hungover from a comedy club during that section. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it jumped out to me because exactly like what you're saying. It, it it was this big giant huh from vader of well, that's a weird choice and, and it, going back to like the traffic uh you know situation you 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 let someone in and and suddenly they're like oh i, I thought i had to be aggressive that's weird hey how you doing we're friends now i, I it worked for me it really jumped out that whole sequence did so it was, a, it was a good 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 part of the book yeah yeah really enjoyed it last uh thematic idea that i wanted to to talk about uh, before we dive into a lot of details is uh, toward the end, uh, in it is uh, really talking about this idea that leaving things in the shadows and on doubt with is dangerous. And uh, that's some straightforward, uh, uh, I think, real world uh, mental health advice that we've all got. Uh, but in the story of Star Wars, you know, this idea that Anakin's emotions are, were really, you know, undealt with, undiscussed. Right. Uh, Palpatine's the only one who encouraged them, him to embrace them. Um, 
the the actual Star Wars story about Luke not knowing the truth about uh, Vader uh, being his father, uh, Ben Solo not knowing the truth about Vader being his grandfather, uh, Ray really not understanding where she comes from and needing to understand where she comes from to move uh, forward. Um, and, and there's a lot of great discussion about Leia wrestling with I I this is this is the problem I should have told him uh, about I should have told Ben about Vader. Uh, what to you is powerful about centering that connection through all these generations of, of Skywalkers that a lot of the trauma has come from not dealing with the, the horror that is there in the shadows. It's a valuable, important lesson that starts at the beginning. And, and we've done a lot of talk about Anakin and, and, and the Jedi Order's handling of Anakin and, and which was part of the commentary of, of what's happening to the Jedi Order. And I think Anakin was left to twist in the wind a little too much and, and some of the coldness, uh, literal and, and figurative, uh, there at the Jedi Temple um, <laughs> starts that. And and I, you highlighted already with the Bloodline stuff a couple times here, but that's a great book and you all should check out Claudia Gray uh, and, and diving into it. But it's one of those moments that I get where I get uh, the films of the films and and, and and we approach it like that way too. I get it. But like where I wish almost a little bit of this explanation was in one of the uh, books it, or one of the movies it is, but like the details of bloodline, the details of the revelation changed me as a star Wars fan in a bit. Cause I, I grew up just kind of after return of the Jedi, you think everyone knew that old Anakin came back, right? You think that Luke came back and Hey, Ewoks, guess what? My dad's back. Like and we kind of <laughs> here's a press release. Here's a press release. And then to, to have that change over the course of bloodline being one of the big things that kind of changed of like, no, we didn't, we didn't want this out. And I was used against uh, Leia so effectively, but yeah, how it, how it repeated. And therefore, uh, you know, Ben collapses under the weight of that at, at, at a wrong time and an opportune time for that information to come across. So it's big to the star Wars story and it got its due here in this book. Yeah, absolutely. That, that specific storytelling in bloodline is really important. And I like how it's emphasized, uh, but just also as a, is kind of a big picture theme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it is that great reminder that uh, negative emotions aren't, aren't bad. They're natural. Right. Uh, and it's how we deal with them. That really makes a difference in this kind of reminder that, fear festers in the dark that you know everybody has such great motivations of of trying to choose when and how uh to share difficult truths with people yeah but that you have to share the difficult truths comes through because the you know the fear uh, just feeds in the dark it becomes more powerful and what i liked about this storytelling is you know we're going to talk about some of the uh the classic uh, yoda obi-wan when did they tell luke things and why kind of questions uh, but I like that this book also highlighted that even though the well-intentioned, steadfast characters who, who mostly make great choices uh, give in to this fear, you know, yeah. uh, we see Leia do it. Uh, we see uh, Ray do it. And for me, it's one of those great times that it, what's great about that is when you hear fear, you can think of it as, you know, fighting monsters or being brave mm-hmm. enough to go to war, or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the more literal fear. And I like the story of Star Wars being about just those deep internal fears mm-hmm. of not about even just maybe sharing a hard truth, but maybe even just like, I, I think this negative thing about myself, what if other people think it, you know, those nebulous fears. Um, and I feel like this book did a really good job of just kind of highlighting that the danger is that is that gnawing in your gut of fear and it can be 
fear of many, many different things. Um, and it's one of the reasons I so love the line from Rise of Skywalker about confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi, of like really saying like all a Jedi is is somebody who acknowledges that they have to win the internal battle in order to help other people. And yeah. the internal battle for everyone always is confronting fear. This is great stuff because this is something that I think it's come more and more in focus for us as Star Wars fans, you and I, and those listening to Force Center. Some of the High Republic stuff is is what's the what do the Jedi f- fear the most? Fear. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen that Yoda quote from uh, um, Phantom Menace taken just out of context and and just applied to what, what you talked about fear. No, no you got to be got to be brave. Got to be brave. Well, yeah, yeah, of, of course, but. The, the monsters keeping the monsters at bay is one thing and, and it's important and, and Anakin's very cor- courageous he took on Sebulba he won a pod race <laughs> you're so internal and that's why going to your thing about the internal conflicts and 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 it's such important to the Star Wars story that it's those kind of things the attachment is is on many levels and you and I've been diving into that uh looking especially when we go scene by scene or theme by theme and some stuff so it is uh it, it's uh the shadows hides the fear a lot. You know, the, the everyone, we, you know, who likes conflict, right? Who, who likes conflict? <laughs> I think to let things fester, it starts with Anakin and, uh, you know, fear of losing mom, fear of that. And it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And, and, and that, that definitely is drives the star Wars story in a negative way in a way. So I'm glad that I, I you're, you are right. There's a great power in kind of uh, centering a lot of the themes around the, the shadows and the fear that grows out of that. Yeah, and I think it's really well laid out throughout the entire book, but it works so well for it to sort of come out as almost this uh, moral toward the the end of the arc of of the story of Leia wrestling with her choice Mm -hmm. of having not uh, told Ben soon enough is just a really great, elegant way to to connect it all and to make it kind of pop toward the end of the book is is one of the key ideas. Um, So those are kind of some of the big picture ideas that I wanted to talk about, Ken. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into all of the various details. Not all of them because there are too many and the podcast would be 82 hours long. We're going to talk about some of our favorite details. All that in just a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J E N I L A N D A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa1138. are back to continue our discussion of Skywalker, a family at war. We talked some big picture ideas. Now we're going to talk a lot of those details, which have big ideas attached to them. Uh, Ken, what details? I'm going to turn the floor over to you. We're going to go through your details uh, first. What details popped out? There's everything in this book from Jack's little fun, like, ooh, that's a little fun canon thing. That's a fun joke. That's a fun uh, thematic detail. What popped out at you? 
So, yeah. Uh, so here's what I'm going to almost step back to the big picture for a second. If, if you follow <laughs> me on this here, um, uh, there were so many times because I really wanted this. I've been wanting this type of book and I started reading this and I had a couple moments of, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah, this is great. This is great. But you know, who doesn't know this? And, and, and that's just, just foolish of me. To, there's so many different ways to take in Star Wars and there's so many people just scratching the surface and there's some people uh, living on the surface of, the pew 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 of it all. And, and, and we love discussing all of it. Like, like you even said uh, on the main show this past week, you know, the absurd and the profound is all there. So when I started reading this book, I was just like, Oh, this is just gonna be a fun, quick read through stuff I'm very familiar with. And little things started popping up that either, yeah, I had thought about it before, but man, it, it, Kristen Baver did such a good job of highlighting it. And it just, um, it made me feel good to be just rewarded again and again, and again, from something I'm so familiar with <laughs> yeah There's so many things to take in and you and i spend uh, so many hours each week discussing themes some things can get washed over and this book helped pull some of these out and and um the first one uh is on page 21 everyone open up in your book to page 21 <laughs> for me what really so there was a moment of um because you know the the, the feloni speech that ever we talk we talk about a lot too of the duel of the fates and what it meant uh, uh Kristen goes into that and goes into it quite well and that's from that's a lot from Qui Gon, right? Uh, Qui Gon knew that if he 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 needs to win for Anakin to go this way, where Maul could go take him this way, or just life, his life in general. There's a great thought of just uh, Anakin seeing, you know, where Shmi held the assurance of the comforts he knew. Qui Gon had given him the promise of a meaningful future. And this is a kid that, if you read the Phantom Menace novelization, has already got these great big dreams of things that might be happening. He already mm-hmm. kind of has this idea of what he might want to be. And and now, he, you know, uh, he's got a pinprick of uh, a blood sample, and he might be hearing something that you got these um, what are midi-chlorians, Master Qui-Gon, things floating around in, in me. And so there, that that's at play with just what he might already feel about himself mixed with the fear and how Qui-Gon just... From Anakin's perspective, it was that warmth, the purpose. And later on, that purpose gets replaced with a lot of other different purposes given to him. You are the chosen one. You are a general. You are this. And you are a warrior. You're a hero. And and how, um, again, a testament to what Qui-Gon, who he was and what he was to Anakin. And it just was, I've never, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about Anakin's thoughts during that final battle or Anakin's thoughts about losing Qui-Gon. We've got the, I can get into the general sense of it, but that was, a, I, thought, I thought it was a powerful perspective. Yeah, no, I think it's really great to emphasize it from Anakin's perspective. I love all the stuff about Anakin kind of wanting so deeply to have uh, freedom of, of movement and uh, of idea, you know, to explore the galaxy. But of course, when he leaves his mom and he goes to this huge new world of literally new world of uh, Coruscant and his, seeing the galaxy and and Jedi and surrounded by war that of course he wants a, a guide for this yeah. adventure right just so almost just on the like literal level like imagine going to you know a a, a part of the real earth that you don't know the culture you don't know the language and your guide disappears right yeah there's like the literal loss of a guide mm-hmm. but even you know more emotionally i think it really gets to that heart of um Qui-Gon probably could have given Anakin some of the advice or, or cautioned him on something yes. like it. You feel that anger and you can't work on that anger being a Jedi. You can't act on that anger being a Jedi is serious, but 
it would come to Anakin from someone that Anakin trusts loves him. Yeah. Really pulling that out of like mm. the the advice, the wisdom that Obi-Wan gave Anakin is maybe not all that different from the advice that Qui-Gon would have given him. Correct. But Anakin would have felt accepted when it was coming from Qui-Gon. And he didn't entirely feel that acceptance and that fatherly presence from mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Yeah, again, the importance of that battle, again, uh, and you're, yeah, you touched on exactly what I was thinking of, just like, great, so they come along and say, you're the chosen one, and you have to f- you have to figure that out for yourself, whereas Qui-Gon would have been like, yes, I feel you are, but here's here's just step-by-step step what we can do with that power, and, and uh, go to your example, now you're, so you're in a, uh, in a world maybe you're not familiar, a city you're not familiar with, and you're told you are supposed to be here, but that person... <laughs> You must trust it's gone. You're like, I am supposed to be here. Now I must figure it out for myself and mistakes can be made. Uh, and that's where we look at the Jedi Order and some of the stuff they may have done wrong with Anakin. But it all starts from that moment. I, I did as a great little tiny like, oh, that's that's a great little look at Anakin's uh, thoughts during that time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else you got? What else I got here? I, I mentioned already, I'll, I'll, I'll go up to uh, the Padme. It's on page 43, the Padme. Uh, kind of hearing Anakin's um, admission and approaching with compassion and sympathy. You touched upon it earlier, but it just drove home the fact that um, uh, to, to, to err is to be human or to err, to err is to be Anakin. Um, <laughs> and almost the same that, you know, you kind of wish you would have been allowed to have that more, been allowed to deal with that more. Um, but then again, the, the, the next beat is, uh, you know, Palpatine's like, Ooh, but the, what an opportunity. Ooh. And, 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 uh, I just like that moment and it's, uh, you know, you, you and I love uh, Padme as a character and what she represents and that's who Padme is and that's who what she was in that moment. That's, uh, you know, why Anakin was justified not wanting to lose her a little bit in my mind. You know, he needed that presence. He needed that presence. He just, fear led to the attachment. Of course. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that was a great real uh, compare and contrast. I've always liked that uh, that scene because Padme recognizing that, yeah, no, anger, anger is... Uh, you know, it, it is a true thing that happens and you have to deal with it, um, but you can still be compassionate uh, about it. Mm-hmm. And this idea that Anakin feels some of that acceptance he so desires from Padme, but hers is in a, let's accept that you made a bad choice and <laughs> find a way to move forward. Whereas Palpatine's like, good job, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. is uh, that's a really great way to just zero in on this idea of, of course, we all need acceptance. And, and here is the danger when, when somebody manipulative mm-hmm. offers you acceptance that, that isn't uh, sincere. It is toward their own end. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, well said there. And the, and the little tag on it for me too, something, especially when you and I go through the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars report, really one of the greatest rivalries in Star Wars is Palpatine and Padme. <laughs> <laughs> she is foiling a lot. <laughs> foiling a lot. Yeah. And he gets a leg up here maybe, but, uh, you know, I love uh, the, their uh, – their battle for Anakin uh, all through the Clone Wars and just the battle for a lot of things. Padme's always a thorn in Palpatine's side. Yeah, everything from Anakin's soul to bills being passed in the Senate. Uh, <laughs> she keeps uh, old Sheev on his on his evil toes. Yeah. Uh, any other details that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, a couple more here. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll um, go into page 92. There was this, this, is, this is great. Uh, again, Kristen Baver took something that it's been there. It's been part of our conversations. It just goes like, here's a real direct thought on it. And that, that made me just go, yeah, uh, it is, uh, Anakin kind of going, 
and says, I'll read the line, but in his estimation, loving Padme and raising their child was a far less dangerous path than the potential treasonous acts that Jedi Order were asking him to commit. So this is basically saying, you know, the Jedi wants him to spy on his best friend and maybe take him out and getting all these things and a war's on. And he's like, okay, but you won't let me love this person. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing? And I'm not saying they're wrong. He's wrong or right. But it's just like in his state of mind, breaking it down and the fall of Anakin and what George was trying to go back and do with the prequels and how we always talk about the, is, is Padme alive? No, you killed her. Ah, and how we maybe hated that when the, 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 that movie came out. Some, some people hated that in, in, in 2005. Now it just makes more and more sense to me that that's what sunk him. And this is one of those things. Just like, yeah, you, you, this wonderful, powerful, strong person. I, I want to love her and have a family with her. And you're all, no, can you go kill your friend? <laughs> yeah. You can twist. Yeah. Yeah. It can twist. It can twist. Yeah. No, I, I really like everything that's hand. The, the, I think there's that great detail about the, the three pivotal conversations where he even feels a little bit, uh, you know, like, like Padme's asking him to do something he doesn't want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when in the scenes in the movie, you know, when she's asking him yep. to, you know, talk to, to Palpatine, um, but yeah, I, I love that it is highlighted that, you know, Anakin could leave in, mm-hmm. with Padme. He could try to do that, that, but he doesn't do that. And then just uh, really, as you're saying, illustrating how masterful the master plan of Palpatine is, that his argument is that the Jedi and the Sith are no different. They both want power and the Jedi just want power. They claim to be so high and mighty and moral, but they're going to do immoral things uh, to use your power that they're afraid of Mm -hmm. to try to take my legitimate government power. He knows that's the argument that he wants to make to to Anakin and he gets the Jedi so um, legitimately concerned, but also afraid Mm -hmm. of what's going on in the war. Who is the Sith that they do, I think, make moral failings. I think that is, I think that's, you know, meant to be, yeah, and it's absolutely a flaw, uh, a mistake that the Jedi make. They play right into Palpatine's hands by making it seem in Anakin's eyes, like, yeah, they're no different. (laughs) Want me to be a spy and a murderer, but they, uh, but they don't want me to be, you know, a a husband or a father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're jerks. Yeah. They're both the same. No different. Yeah. 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 Again, because I'm not saying the Jedi are wrong over overall in, in the whole lesson there remains of attachment and everything but uh, um, yeah just one of those moments where you just like uh, you said the palpatine of it all just the the confusion the anger and part of what was on display in the prequels yeah absolutely uh these are great details him yeah. hit me with as many as he got i got a couple more here just in, on page 121 but it gets in this is the princess of alderaan chapter you touched upon it earlier we, we already said it but just the foundations in which leia's uh leia's life was built on um uh, 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 a powerful one, a strong one, a privileged one at times, and everything. But 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 Leia learns um, how to move past that, uh, and has such a great uh, foundation because she knows a lot of stuff. Doesn't know everything, obviously, um, but she she knows a little bit more of of who she is uh, and what her purpose could be. And and I almost this there's a lot of details we could probably dive into about that for Leia. But uh, it made me feel sad for Luke. And, and again, Owen and Baru, I probably, and I do say did the best they could. Um, Obi-Wan's out there trying to figure his own life out while trying to protect him. And because of that, Luke, uh, Luke, uh, I don't want to say as a, as a bad foundation, not at all, but just like, 
man, what, he, uh, maybe he got a little bit of shorter than the stick. Shorter than the stick. That's all I'm saying. But he had a good. Life. Everything's good. It worked out fine. <laughs> but I, I just yeah. going, man. Poor Luke. He just uh, what, what? What's he gonna do? Yeah, I like I like both things a ton, and and I love the amount of time spent on on their childhoods. Uh, you know, throughout, I love and I I absolutely expected this. You know, Sentry and Leia, it is the Skywalker twins. It's not Luke mm-hmm. and then dot 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 and Leia. It is the Skywalker twins. And there's so much centering of Leia, um, her joys, her traumas, her choices. So great, uh, love that, and it, and it totally expected that. Uh, but in terms of uh their childhoods, um. A lot of great details about the Organas. You know, I like that um, setting up that that Leia didn't have this sort of missing piece of who who are my birth parents. You know, that just wasn't concerned about it uh, because she was so accepted and and, and loved by her mm-hmm. uh, her parents uh, by Bale and Brea. And I like that they kind of made Padme a part of her life. I like that particular uh, that uh, Brea describe Padme to Leia as somebody who speeches as weapons, ideals as ammunition. Right. I really love that detail. And then for the Luke stuff, I like that it, that Luke's got this interesting childhood because I think he's got a more grounded and in, in some ways, uh, you know, a better childhood than Anakin. Anakin's got, you know, besides being yep. a slave part, he's got the great love and wisdom and acceptance of, of Shmi. But I always see Luke's childhood and, and I think this book really highlighted is he's got, love and acceptance like mm-hmm. uh, brew is clearly there for him owen in his gruff way clearly cares uh but he's so cut off from adventure and he's so left to wonder about you know who am i what's out there for me that it's this great mixed you know mm-hmm. uh sort of childhood of he definitely does have love and acceptance and i think that leads him to being able to make uh some of these compassionate choices but he's right. also got this um this wanderlust uh, that Anakin has too, this desire for freedom that can lead toward uh, falling into these sort of romantic traps of like, yeah, I want to be a warrior. Yeah. You know, (laughs) give me a sword and I'll cut my way to the truth, (laughs) you know? Yep. Uh, And I think that's really highlighted well to make that connection between Luke and Anakin. Yes. And look, I'm all here for justice for Owen and and Baru, but I, I, but you know, I love some of the little things where you got more Baru than Owen. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, uh, I I, uh, I I want I hope the Kenobi series dives into them getting a little credit for uh, trying to do the best they could. Yes, they shaped a compassionate young man, as he said <laughs> on the Falcon. I care, and I, I think that's partially because of his his raising. Yeah, uh, raised to farm and raised to care. The Luke Skywalker story. There you go. There you go. Uh, there's a so there's a, there, there's the whole redemption chapter. I love uh, 2015 redemption's big in Star Wars. We can talk about that. Um, I didn't pull out specific notes, uh, on that one, just a, a chapter, chapter 26 redemption. It's like, Oh yeah, that's pretty <laughs> big in star Wars here. Uh, and we touched upon some of it, what I love, uh, about, uh, Luke and Vader and some of the final stuff there, but I, I do want to, there's two more here. Uh, I'll do, I'm going to jump ahead and I want to come back to one that's, uh, I want to discuss a little bit more with you maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two forty six later in the book, uh, they're talking about Kylo Ren and this is one of those, um, I, I I just love the character Kylo Ren. I love Ben Solo. I love I love I love I just love it. I you know there no, that's all the adjectives I got for you. Uh, describe how much I, I love uh, I can't. Uh, but there's this little <laughs> detail um, that I don't think I've thought about. But uh, you know we've taken that deep dive into his lightsaber, going back to when it caused such a stir in 2014. How dare he? <laughs> but I love the. She really highlights the fact that um, he. 
Unlike Anakin, uh, who had to build his own, you talked upon uh, about building it, or, or Vader, uh, even more specifically, because it's connected to Kylo, just Vader um, having post-Revenge of Sith going to take uh, the, uh, the the lightsaber from the Jedi, whose name I always forget, the guy who took the, the Barish vow. Uh, and Phila, I believe is his last yeah, name. Yeah, and Phila, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, and had to, you know, do the old bleeding the blade and everything, and, and Kylo does that. But he does it all to his old blade and just the simple highlighting of just building on his past, trying to wash it over that big theme with Kylo. And we've we've known for a while. There's so many things, even just down to the cracked uh, kyber crystal and him being cracked and, and, and on two sides of it and trying to figure stuff out for himself. I just loved the highlighting of that. That's one of the things this book done, does very well, where you're just like you got the big picture and then you can pull these little details um, I love that idea of just like, he, he just wanted to completely wipe away everything, uh, and, and including his blade. I'm going to take the same thing. I'm just going to make it something new out of that. And then that's not going to quite work. I can never escape it. And that's why I'm always fighting my past. Yeah, no, very well said. Uh, Kirik in Villa. in Villa. There's the, yeah, that is the guy shirtless beach Jedi. Yeah, I mean, uh, the book touches on really well the idea that the mask is an affectation, right? That, and I think that's that's such a great detail that that's in the Force Awakens. Uh, the book does a great job highlighting it, and sometimes you know we we talk about that that he's he's feeling the pull to the light. He's kind of cosplaying Vader. He's obviously fallen yeah. to the dark side. He's done truly horrible things. Yeah, uh, he he is being corrupted. Uh, but not as successfully as Vader, right? And that's kind of his story, and uh, and that's a part of like, even my lightsaber is not is not fully you know committed and finalized, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but specifically drawing on those great details from that uh, Rise of Kylo Ren four issue comic book, and making it that this is another layer of the sort of incompleteness of his transition to yes. the dark side. Is it's not even a new blade, you know? It is just the old one cracked you know and it, it it does add to this sort of image of of kylo ren who is is desperate uh for power but i think this this book really makes it like he wants to prove he is just as powerful as all of these powerful people in his mm-hmm. in his life and and his history and in his legacy but but he wants to prove that he has power to almost just prove like i'm i'm good i deserve acceptance right Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't fail to meet uh, the bar that was set by my father, my mother, my uncle, my namesake Obi Wan, the Yoda guy. You won't shut up about, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I love this picture that it 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 is power that he thinks will make him get that acceptance if he can prove that power. So he just tries to be powerful and there's so much about him that we can we can make fun jokes about but it just makes it really human that he really is mm. you, you mentioned junior high it really is like yeah. you know what um i don't i don't feel accepted uh tuesday i'm just kind of a normal guy wednesday mm. i'm gonna be a punk <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna put the clothes on you know these are my good jeans but i'm gonna rip them up <laughs> And there's really is that it's kind of a joke, but it is what gives him such power and such relatability because it's this heightened, amazing mythic version of that of like, maybe if I if I'm if I express my power in a different way, I'll find all these things I want, you know, and the blade is just his lightsaber really is just like these are my same jeans, but I tore them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's hilarious. Did you go to Hop the Hot Topic yesterday and get some <laughs> necklaces? What do you got? Yeah, 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 well, uh, yeah. Great, great thing to pull out. Um, you got some more? Uh, just just one more because um, it was one of the ones that um, it's out there. It, it, it's a it, it's a, a lesson for me to like sometimes practice what uh, you and I will preach here. You know where. Uh, I know a lot of people might have been upset at the Bad Batch for taking, uh, you know, uh, Order 66 with Depa Balaba and, and Caleb Doom and, and changing it a bit. And and sometimes you and I could be like, uh, you know, ah, it's OK. Just find the core of it. You're good. You're good to go. Uh, and other people are like, well, but I like that comic book and it's a little better. We, we totally get it because one of my favorite things is this idea that that after, uh, you know, we know that Han Solo, we know he's always a, a kind of, not necessarily at war with himself, like in the sense of Anakin or, or Kylo later on, though that would track father to son, but, you know, he wants to be something he isn't. He knows maybe deep down what he could be, but he, he's a little afraid of it. He runs away constantly. Han running away is, is a thing. Um, not necessarily like Grievous, but just uh, trying to go for his own <laughs> destiny. And I, I love that about Han, because that's something that's, Han's my guy, and, and, and that resonates with me, especially as I get older and Han got older. Um, so, but there's this idea that's out there. It's, it's in the Empire Strikes Back novelization and it's also in the Return of the Jedi novelization, which, eh, you know, loose canon at best, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> brother, brother Owen Kenobi. Uh, Yoda's blue, right? Yoda's blue. Red, red five is blue five. All those kind of things. So I, I've always gotten that. But I really love the idea that, that Han sticks around, but Han doesn't join the rebellion. He's Captain Solo of the Millennium Falcon. Uh, that's kind of, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but kind of expressly stated in the, in the Empire novel. And then, again, in Return of the Jedi, when they're like, hey, General Solo, you can lead the strike team. Leia's like, oh my gosh, he just finally committed to something. <laughs> and that, that affects her in a way. And, and it's a powerful moment for the character. Uh, Kristen Baver, because some, it's dealt with a little differently in the comics, she highlights that for me. And I'm, I was reading this, and it's on or around page 172 or ish, uh, the, the Hoth stuff. And it's cold, and Han is miserable, and he doesn't want to be there, but he sticks around. And he sticks around. And at one point, in fact, uh, gets promoted to Colonel. This is after the, what's that battle, the Mako Tan battle? Mako yeah. Mako yeah. And I, I, I kind of had to, like, even kind of shut the book. I was like, that didn't happen. <laughs> he was not part of the rebel lines. He couldn't have told Rykan I'm leaving and not, you know, file, uh, you know, leave of absence paperwork or cut his medical. Like he couldn't do that. <laughs> I don't know if the rebellion offered medical. Um, and so I had a little struggle with it. But, and and, and it, this again, this isn't a uh, Kristen. This is her taking something that might be in the comics or might be out there. And, 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 and really finding the spirit of it and what Leia was explaining or what, what the, the, this part of the book was explaining was just the idea that, yeah, maybe Han sometimes runs from who he is and maybe the easy way out or going back to be a smuggler when, when his marriage and, and his son kind of uh, betrayed him and became a punk at, at Hot Topic one day. Um, <laughs> an evil punk. An evil punk. Um, the, the idea that Han stuck around despite not wanting to be there and how others there's, I, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't write it down specifically, but there's like how Leia kind of saw the other people looking at Han going, well, this guy kind of doesn't like it. He might even hate us, but he's here. He's here. And that served as an inspiration maybe on a, on a, some level. And I, I was good for me to not get hung up in the details and a trivia answer <laughs> on the spirit of Han that, yeah, I highlight on the lessons Han teaches me from his failures sometimes, but that's also who Han is too. He does stick around and he does come back. And maybe you don't know the internal struggle that Han went through. All you know is he came back to save the day 
and he didn't turn his back and how that is part of Han's charisma too. And I just, I actually would thank Kristen Baker for that because I was like, I'm such a Han guy that I just sometimes overlooked that idea. And it was an interesting take and approach uh, to that uh, Han period of time. Yeah, well, I think that's just some great Star Wars counseling you gave yourself. There you go. See, the show's back, everybody. <laughs> no, I I think in particular the way you're kind of laying this out is that the first thing that uh, inflamed some uh, some dark side rage <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was like a little canon detail, right? And like, yeah, yeah. they're important, and and sometimes they they pop up lots of different places in Star Wars storytelling. We're like, ooh, I don't know if I like that, mm-hmm. or if yeah. it, if it kind of fights with something that I think has been established somewhere else, or even in my own head, can yeah, it's a natural thing for us all to do and wrestle with and talk about. But you started from that point of like, Colonel. Colonel Solo, yeah. uh, and then you went into the the heart of it. What does it mean? And um, mm-hmm. let me try to see it uh, from that perspective. And yeah, I like it. We've got lots of little stories bubbling up about kind of between Star Wars and Empire. How did other people see Han? How, mm-hmm. We kind of know Luke and Leia. There's a lot of talk about it as well, but we kind of know like uh, she is one of the leaders, and uh, you know uh, the the last royal of of Alderaan, and Luke is this you know, amazing hero who destroyed the Death Star. But then there's this, this Han guy, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, the from a certain boy of, point of view, Empire Strikes Back book has a lot of fun of some people being like, oh, he gets to break all the rules because he's Mr. You know, cool guy with his own ship scoundrel <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> some resentment and that. But mm-hmm. I just I kind of love that. Yeah. This picture that people would look at this like charming guy who if you were at a restaurant and you were splitting the bill and like, which one of these people is going to underpay that guy? <laughs> Like Han's got that charming vibe. Like, yeah, I'll let him sleep on my couch and he's going to eat all my food. Like there's just like, he's, he's got all this vibe like that, that charming rogue who bends the rules, breaks the rules. Sometimes, you know, does things he shouldn't, but he's so charming and has such a heart of gold. You sense underneath all that, that how could that not be inspirational? That Mm. even this guy who's kind of, you know, Mm. looks like he would run at the drop of the hat if he's still here. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's a neat idea that I think plays off of like the the soul of Han. Well, uh, yeah, no, thank you. The soul of Han. This is a great transition. My final point of going to sol- solo Star Wars story of just like we know what Kira knows. Uh, uh, she feels he's a good guy because of the way he treated her in in the most wanted uh, novel. And again, you know, movies stand on their own. Blah blah blah. But like it's there, and that it, and and then later on with Infus in the movie where she's like, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. Um, that is who Han is. So, uh, I guess I sometimes can personally can focus on, uh, Han picking up his bags and Bolton and, uh, and, and not give Han his due, but also just the evidence of his soul. Like you said, that's why it's there. That's why it's, it's powerful, uh, when he does come back or when he does stick around. Yeah. And, and I really like that connection, uh, that's explicitly made between Leia and Han of, of the realization that they're both kind of wearing masks that Leia's got her formal royal mask and Han's got his, I'm a scoundrel. I don't give a damn about anything mask, uh, but they're both masks to, uh, prevent, uh, yeah. being hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, all right. I do. Do you mind if we dive into some of my details? Sir, I would love to. Okay, I tried to contain myself because I got lots of pages of details, uh, but we're going to start in a place where I think uh, listeners of uh, Star Wars, uh, Force Center, Mm -hmm. uh, listeners of Star Wars, uh, listeners of our Star Wars discussions here on Force Center uh, will not be surprised that we're starting it with for me, and that is Kenobi Thoughts. this book has got uh, just it's got some great Kenobi stuff that I that I absolutely love. One of the little details that I really like uh, because it's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. Sometimes when when you have an, a detail that you like as a fan and then see somebody else really celebrate it, uh, mm-hmm. I really like directly connecting 
uh, Obi-Wan's talk about uh, the truth is often what we make of it, point of view to uh, Qui-Gon's quote of your focus determines your reality. Because right. to me, uh, those have always been connected. Like that's a very similar uh, philosophy. So I love that. That was just a great little Kenobi detail that I loved. Um, this book was so interesting. Uh, uh, Kristen Baver notes it in her author's notes that, uh, yes, some of these stories are still unfolding. Like uh, Hayden Christensen's role in Kenobi was announced while I was working on this book. Yeah. So because this Kenobi show is coming out, there's this extra interesting tension in the book of what is stuff that might be little hints that yeah. people would be excited about versus, ooh, is, is this uh, stuff that, confirms that things are or are not going to happen in Kenobi right. um, in the TV show. Uh, the two in particular uh, that jumped to mind to me, and I, I uh, know other people have discussed this, but the passage that it took 10 years, but eventually Obi-Wan was able to commune with his dearest friend resurrected within the cosmic force, uh, meaning Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. So if it is that the the, the book is, uh, is benefiting from uh, burgeoning details of the show, it took 10 years, uh, the idea that, at the exact timeline of the show that we've been told is when Obi-Wan is successfully able to commune with Qui-Gon mm. that I, I like the, Oh, does that mean that this actor is going to pop up or, you know, all that, the Liam Neeson of it all. Like, yeah, I, that's great. I'd love to see Liam Neeson and all that. What makes me really excited about, about that possibility is the possibility that that is how mm. Kenobi finds out the truth about Vader. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. An awkward conversation with Qui-Gon. <laughs> buddy quiet, what's going on eh, sit down on a log Kenobi we got some stuff to talk about yeah if, if Kenobi has brought himself to a tortured version of peace that he has these two missions one is to watch over Luke he sh- Owen Brew won't let him train Luke and he knows kind of he shouldn't train Luke until the force tells him the time is right yeah. uh, and he's got this other mission of communing with Qui-Gon and, and learning this secret of uh, selfless immortality. And this is the moment we're meeting him where he is, he thinks he's got had a victory <laughs> yeah. that he's accomplished one of these missions. But then with that mission, what he discovers is uh, he, Vader is, is Anakin and, and you, you, you didn't save Anakin and you didn't stop Vader. You have <laughs> huge unfinished business to deal with. Uh, man, you almost, uh, pitched a good uh, cold open prologue to the whole series, huh? Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, yeah, I don't want to put. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I am of the belief that this uh, potentially has some meaning. Um, you know, I won't confirm anything in my heart beyond that. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important. yeah, yeah. So I got really excited about that because you know we had just been talking about somebody had sent us a great question of uh, you know, how mm-hmm. how and when do you think Kenobi figured out that yeah. that Vader is Anakin. Uh, and that this felt like, ooh, that's this makes that a really interesting possibility. Uh, later on, page uh, 215 to 16, during the, some of the great um, uh, discussion of, of Luke getting through to Anakin, uh, it says it's 25 years since anyone had, had seen Anakin in an emotional sense uh, uh, and reached out to him. And that was really interesting to me. Uh, because we'll see what the Kenobi show is, and and I I want to speculate responsibly and keep an open mind. Mm. But my hope for the Kenobi show is that that uh, Obi Wan does try to reach out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might, it, and it still could be entirely that you know what this book is saying is fr- Anakin 
didn't yeah. feel it, didn't feel seen. He just felt like Obi-Wan is trying to fix his mistake or whatever. So I, I'm not yeah. being rigid about this, about like, yeah, well, yeah. this book said so that it can't be. Um, but I think along with you, I think I wanted to share some of these thoughts because they're my real honest sort of knee-jerk fan thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're those those thoughts that risk getting overly involved in the details and the minutia rather than the heart. I a hundred percent, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you did is, is a powerful line to me and, and we'll see what that means and what that means for the series. But yeah, that's a, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm almost with you on your gut reaction of, of, I love like the idea that Anakin, Vader and Kenobi have a final confrontation, but they're sitting there having coffee and Kenobi's like trying to say stuff and, and Vader's just like, you're not here for me. You're here to me. You're here about your own guilt. That doesn't, I don't, I don't accept that. I don't honestly feel accepted. Yeah. I just think it's such an important part of the Kenobi story that mm. he is, uh, I think he truly believes there is no hope for Anakin. And I would be excited by a, a story, a, a rematch of the century that is emotional, yeah. uh, that he has some experience with Anakin where he does everything he can to get through to him. Yeah. And because of their relationship, because of how Kenobi failed Anakin, because of the blame that that Vader puts on Anakin for his his physical and emotional pain, mm-hmm. that Kenobi's never going to be the one who gets through to him. Right. But Kenobi still has this experience where I tried everything and I truly believe in my heart there is no coming back from, from Vader. There is no one called Anakin Skywalker. He doesn't exist. Right. So that when he is advocating to Luke that it's real sad, but... He, he has to be stopped that that's mm-hmm. there's no father to be rescued you have to stop him uh, yeah that it's coming from a place of truth and that the kenobi show is an opportunity to kind of sh- to see that from kenobi's perspective uh yeah I'm, I'm with you on that yeah with you on all that i mean this 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 series i just can't come soon enough but uh yeah yeah you can't help but think just some of the stuff like uh you know as they're writing this book they're like hey uh hey Kristen, just take a look at the script all right just eh. <laughs> Right. Just uh, just throwing a detail here and there. So so yeah, so uh for me that's just some of my uh head canning and in uh, trying to speculate responsibly because I, I love the Kenobi part of uh, the Star Wars story so much. Uh the other Kenobi detail I wanted to talk about was I thought it was really uh, intriguing and an interesting choice uh to not go into Luke and Obi-Wan's conversation on Dagobah. Right. Um that it you know, I, I think there, there's a lot in there that you could play with. And I think uh, Kristen Baber does a really great job of picking and choosing what to emphasize to to kind of shape yeah. the story. So it, it remains each individual character's story, but it is also the story of the whole family and the themes that connect them. Um, but, you know, the, that that scene being the moment where uh, Luke finds out that Leia's his sister. Such great detail and coverage on on Leia finding out right. about being a part of the Skywalker family, uh, uh, Luke's sister, but also uh, Vader's daughter. That stuff is so great uh, that a part of me did miss uh, seeing the, the moment where where Luke was uh, processing this mm. information. Um, there, it all, I think there that was also one of the moments of like, is there some detail in this scene where it was like, let's let's leave that because we don't want to mess with mm. you know we're, we're working on the show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a part of me that that that, uh, that thought that, but the the other thing. So I I just I missed that as a fan. But the yeah. other thing that I really liked in that moment, and and for me, I can see a sort of author perspective on on maybe why that choice was made. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just uh, postulating. Is I liked how much it was built up that 
Luke went through this same uh, question that fans often have or opinion from fans that I've encountered where, oh, Yoda and Obi-Wan are merciless jerks (laughs) who held back the knowledge that Vader's Luke's father so Luke wouldn't hesitate to kill him. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had people argue that uh, with me and and I've, you know, had uh, my responses back of like, Kenobi truly believes that Anakin is gone. Mm -hmm. Yoda doesn't tell Luke to kill Vader. Uh, Yoda says... Luke, in order for you to, to pass your, your trial uh, of spirit to be fully a Jedi, you have to face Vader. You know, they, they tell him different things in Return of the Jedi. And I, I think it's, it was great that, um, that the book really built up Luke's anger and hurt over, is that why they didn't tell me? Right. So that I wouldn't hesitate to kill my father? And then... By not having the Kenobi scene there, the emphasis is really on the Yoda part of of the Dagobah scenes in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. where Yoda makes it clear of like, no, I was just really waiting for you to be ready to handle the burden mm-hmm. of even the possibility that you might need to to face him in that way. The, the burden of your legacy, I was waiting for you to be fully trained and, and fully ready. And I like that that is the focus of that moment in, in the saga that Mm -hmm. Luke has that epiphany of like, Oh, I see they were trying to wait for me to be ready Mm -hmm. to take on this responsibility. One, I kind of liked it because there's this conversation that's a meta fan conversation. (laughs) So it's great to put uh, a Luke into that. But then by really emphasizing that, that part of Luke's story, then it has great rhythms with Leia wrestling with the same, I was trying to wait for Ben to be at the right time to tell him, you know? Well, but the, 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 the first stands in the song is uh, the Anakin too early learns he's the chosen one. Like we talked about. And, and that's a burden he couldn't handle. Maybe Yoda's like, uh, let's find the, let's find the nice middle. <laughs> <laughs> let's find the right spot to tell uh, young people difficult things. Yeah. yeah. It is a, it is a timeless question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I had lots of Kenobi thoughts, tons of stuff I enjoyed and, and tons of stuff that just, I think became a little bit like really trying to put out of my mind, yeah, yeah. uh, the, the television show, but I clearly did not succeed. Yeah. Uh, any other Kenobi thoughts for you? No, other than, you know, we do need the, the Kenobi series to arrive and then the uh, series of, uh, uh Kenobi encyclopedias. <laughs> exactly. There. Love those Kenobi encyclopedias. Uh, some other details that I enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I loved the focus on Anakin's mechno arm mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and what it meant to him that it was a symbol of failure. There was so much that was built up about Anakin's um, ego about being the chosen one. Right. And I think, you know, the, the films discuss like his powers have made him arrogant. But the, I like the book being really explicit about like the chosen one. He's, it's not just that he's powerful, like he's supposed to be special. He is. He's mm-hmm. the chosen one. That title is going to give you some ego uh, so that it would be really wounding to his ego that he has this symbol, that his arm is a symbol of failure, of right, right. not being powerful enough and being defeated by Dooku. Uh, th- so I love that. But then also that he was gratified by its additional power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great, great insights uh, that it's a symbol of failure, but also that failure, that thing that makes me feel bad, I can use it to hurt people, really deepens that 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 uh, wound as a symbol of the dark side. And I felt like it's it was a way for this book that's pulling from all sorts of different places 
that's really capturing the spirit of the 2D Clone Wars, right? That's mm-hmm. basically the vision yeah. that he sees uh, that connects him uh, to to the the creatures he's trying to rescue when he sees that that yeah. vision on the walls of the the art of the arm initially being like, oh, this is it's painful that I got this arm, but now I can use it to defend people. Wait, now that I'm just into the power of using this, I crush everything I see with this arm. Yeah. So it was really cool to see, without it being explicit, a little bit of that 2D Clone Wars in this book, too. Uh, great, great pulls here. Uh, on page 111, I, you, you made me think of something. I, I didn't write it down. This, this sentence, thanks to his mechanical arm, Anakin managed to pull his body away from the lava river. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um... That's amazing. If you're looking from Anakin's perspective, you're right. It's a symbol of so much, but also like, it's the reason I'm still here. <laughs> what a dance. <laughs> what a dance. Yeah. Yeah. That arm is, is carrying a lot of meaning. So I thought that was a really great. Really love that. Um, a couple Leia moments that I wanted to highlight in particular, you know, uh, love that uh, she is centered throughout. I think there's just some great stuff really diving into her um, trauma uh, of the, mm-hmm. uh, of being tortured by Vader uh, stuff that, that goes all the way back to splendor of the mind's eye. So it was great to see that uh, centered again. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that, is, that you and I have talked out uh, about a lot, uh, picked up as Canon from the, from certain point of view, a uh, book, a new hope uh, that Yoda wanted to train Leia. Yeah. It's great to see it pop up again here. So it can become, <laughs> I think more cemented because I love that idea totally. that Leia raised as she was by the Organas, uh, having that, the, the, the spirit of Padme and the actual lessons of Padme taught to her, uh, that she is the perfect Jedi. She has a serious mind. Uh, she is compassionate, but selfless. Uh, and she questions herself to find the best answers in any situation. She doesn't question that she should act. She questions the best way to act. And I love this depiction that was not only extremely accurate of the character of Leia, but, a real picture of what it means to be a good Jedi. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, a little template, right? Yoda's Yoda's guide to being a good Jedi. <laughs> Just be like Leia. Yeah. And even within that, you know, we still get to see uh, older Leia make, make some uh, make some mistakes along the way. But I really like that. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about this one, Ken. Um, Leia enjoying the violence of mm-hmm. killing Jabba that she is recognizing that she is making a lawless choice mm-hmm. and just, you know, judge jury and executioner right in that moment uh, enjoys the power of it and has this uh, fleeting moment of the, this is the, the danger of the dark side. You know, there's a lot to, to recenter Leia is, uh, is uh, a, a power of the force as well as all of her other uh, powers. Did you enjoy this uh, uh, casting this moment as a dance with the dark side? Yes, I'll tell you why. Almost to add to what you just said about Leia being the perfect Jedi, and then you you know say Leia along the way, older Leia maybe makes some mistakes, but uh, this is one of those moments where you're like, of course you're going to root for her to do that. Uh, it's Jabba, and and he had uh, put her in chains, right? Like so, but then it still answers that Star Wars question of along the way of like. You know, you, you said it, Leia's like, take action, but how do you take action? That's the only question. And so I like a little dance with it. You and I have some thoughts on the non-existence of gray in Star Wars. And I don't think this is in that bucket. I think it, it is, um, it's something that she chose to do, dealt with. Um, I would say there's a little a bit of, uh, you know, uh, knowledge and defense. She had the knowledge she needed to get off this sail barge and, uh, 
in defense of her <laughs> herself. She did. She took took action to do so. Um, but no, I, I, I like that. It's it's uh, intriguing to the story of Leia, especially modern canon. You know, touching the force here and there along the way, and not fully realizing it or not uh, knowing, you know, her lineage and all the stuff. I think it flo- it flows well into that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've always seen that moment as definitely uh, the symbolism is is nice and clear of uh, choking your captor with the chains they put you in. Yep. Nice and clear. Uh, but I've also always kind of in my own headcanon seen it as, as a bit pragmatic. You know, there is uh, there isn't currently any great uh, court uh, to take Jabba to. Yeah. Um, and Jabba's going to keep coming after them. So I've always seen it as a bit pragmatic, not only just to escape in the moment, but to escape uh, this criminal who is going to hunt them forever uh yeah. who's never going to let this go uh but i like i really liked this idea of leia having this moment of uh yeah even if it's pragmatic i enjoy doing it oh. and that's something i need to watch you know yeah oh hey leia you're allowed this one it's the yeah next one. it's the next one's the problem yeah, and I think it's a great connection to other other moments of action in Star Wars. Like, uh, and yeah. and there's some great stuff about this in, in the book too. Of like uh, Anakin taking out Dooku. The goal is to capture Dooku, and if necessary, in a moment of you know totally uh, a total self defense. If if he died in the pursuit, you know, capture is preferred. But you know, yeah. if if uh, Anakin had cut him down out of totally total self defense, or uh, Dooku is about to kill somebody, uh, that does make a difference. Then what Palpatine gets him to do on purpose is mm. you don't need to, but you want to, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's quite the same, but I like introducing a little bit of that, that possibility in, in Leia's mind and Leia's soul. Love it. Uh, another m- kind of big picture thing toward the end, uh, getting into the, the sequel trilogy, um, that, uh, is in the, the last Jedi passages, uh, with Luke, doing a great job discussing um, his lessons from Yoda about learning to accept his mistakes and what he can learn from him, uh, paints this great picture that the that the dark side has the benefit of, while they might lie to everyone about what the light side is, uh, they know the light side and they know the dark side. So they kind of know it all. And Jedi who shy away from the dark side, understandably, um, don't always, can't always uh, understand it as completely. Mm. But that, that idea that acceptance of mistakes like Luke does is a healthy form of a Jedi understanding the dark side was really cool idea Mm -hmm. Um, that. And for me, that is kind of what we've just been talking about. There is such a big difference between acknowledging the honesty of fear and anger are normal and, emotions we're going to have and how we deal with them is what makes a difference. And in particular, often if if we act on them Uh, and the idea that Luke is like, Oh, I, I'm, I have experienced the dark side because I have just wallowed Mm -hmm. in my fear, in my anger at myself. I cut myself off from the force. So I didn't lash out at anybody with those emotions, but I've been living in those emotions. I've been living in the dark side Mm. and that this is maybe, uh, a healthy way to for a Jedi to experience it by just by saying, I'm going to acknowledge my negative emotions and I'm going to try to let them go. I can understand the dark side through that. Yeah. So I really like this. I like this as maybe a, uh, not a button, but an end on that, you know, the, the, the theme you talk about with the internal conflict 
Uh, and this is uh, all boiling down to Ray representing so much uh, and choosing to represent so much and, and uh, choosing the name, everything. I, to me, this is uh, part of the reason I love Rise of Skywalker. For me, personally, it works. And uh, this is uh, not, not Ray finding balance through necessary rage. This is uh, working through things. This is uh, facing those fears, to, 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 like, like Luke says, and, and a line you love so much. Yeah, so yeah, I'm there for this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like that is, for me, some of the great connective tissue between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker that I know not all fans feel or agree with, which I respect, but there's these moments that are really highlighted well in this book, I think, of of Luke accepting uh, his mistakes, highlighting Leia kind of accepting her mistakes mm-hmm. of not telling uh, Ben earlier about Vader. And then it all kind of culminates in in Ray. And there's a lot of great stuff with Ray, but I feel like this book really highlights uh, this idea that she, we see in Rise of Skywalker, what she is doing is actively going through the Skywalker journey, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? She has all this power, a little bit different from the Skywalkers. Her fear is really that if I use my power to its full extent, I will hurt people around me. I will lose uh, the acceptance that I have uh, in belonging in the family that I've really already always wanted around me. And now my worst fear is true that based on my lineage, that maybe that fear is entirely right. And I am, I am destined uh, Mm -hmm. to hurt people and, and, you know, therefore be alone. And she gets this great, great counsel from Leia, great counsel from Luke that really is all about pushing past the fear Mm -hmm. that you are destined to become one specific thing and making your own choice. You know, I I think the moment where she hears the Jedi voices is so powerful because it's, she's in that moment where almost all of her fears have come true. She's failed. Ben is gone. uh, That her, her friends and and, and new family and the resistance are being destroyed above her. And like Mm -hmm. she could give up, but she is still reaching out. She is still having hope. She's pushing past that fear. And I think that's, you know, that's her great victory that she Mm -hmm. connects and, and gets that that support and that belonging of not just the family of Skywalkers, the family of resistance, but the family of Jedi. She chose to be a Jedi and she hears those voices of support from, you know, her family of Jedi. And it's all because she did successfully uh, push past this dark side of fear. Yeah. Well, you say the conquering the internal fear uh, and and placing choice over predetermined fate, everything you're describing those final moments of rise of Skywalker, that's all those fates crushing down on her. Uh, I'm even listening to you talk and I want to go rewatch that parts of the movie. It's exciting. And she literally uh, conquers all that there. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it does a, the book does a great job. Kristen Baver does a great job of, of kind of tying up the, the themes that, Mm -hmm. that the book pulls out of fighting external battles uh, versus conquering internal fear. We're seeing those moments happen with Ray at the end and that, you know, all of the, the final beats of, of Ray's journey of, of taking on the mantle, uh, Skywalker, uh, in building her new lightsaber and moving toward the future is all about placing choice over that, that predetermined, uh, fate. And I think it's just a, it's a really great picture of Ray. And I think it's such a great way, uh, to end this book, right? That Mm -hmm. it is Ray isn't just like, uh, Luke and Leia were real nice to me. They taught me some things about the Force. You know, it's it is really about and 
her taking the name, I think, is also about her connection to Ben. There's a lot of great dyad stuff, a lot of great stuff connecting them in their journeys. And the book really does highlight that that her taking that Skywalker name is really about I am going to take everything that's noble and great about the these wonderful people I met, the Skywalkers, and I'm going to bring everything that is noble and great into the future with me to the best of my ability. Exactly. Big victory, big moment. Uh, and yeah, um, why we love it so much, I think. Exactly. Any other uh, little details that you wanted to share as we wrap up here? No, no, no. We, we touched upon a, a ton and, and, uh, I read this book in like three parts. So it was fun to kind of re- return to it, uh, after life, uh, a couple of weeks and, and just kind of just, uh, again, I keep saying the term, you know, warm, warm, just as this is the Skywalker saga. This is a large part of Star Wars. We're moving past that. I know. Right. You know, new high Republic. Why do they always bring in the Skywalkers, man? Skywalkers are Star Wars to me, and I'm excited for new frontiers and new worlds and new timelines. But I love um, analyzing, looking into, and uh, celebrating the Skywalker family. Yeah, and the book is just—it is fascinating to do to go through the stories that you know uh, so well. Uh, you know, from the original trilogy to the prequels to the sequels, which we know well <laughs> as people talk about Star Wars all the time. But it's fresher, and and it's all—it's all one big flowing story. Uh, final thing for me that I wanted to share is just my journey of actually getting the book um, mm-hmm. that uh, after I got my first vaccine shot and I was feeling just a ton of hope in the face of, of lots of internal and external fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I went, I stopped at a target, uh, you know, hoping to find a fun action figure and I found a Captain America action figure and that was great. Um, and I saw this book on the shelf and uh, I had already ordered the book. So it was already coming, but it was just in that moment. It was like, I'm out in the world. I'm feeling hope. In who is the people I want with me when I'm feeling hope? It's the Skywalkers. Uh, so I had to pick up this uh, copy at uh, at Target, and it's it's always going to be for me. Uh, this book will always be tied to that memory, mm-hmm. and that's just a really uh, wonderful thing that uh, this book that kind of collects all these stories of all these characters who've who've meant so uh, much to me over the years that they're now tied to a specific memory uh, that is a fun, hopeful, personal memory is great. Plus, in the Target version, there's some uh, some bonus chapters in the back, uh, which are very fun. And now that I have two copies, uh, I'm going to give the other to my nephew when he's old enough. So, perfect Star Wars uh, story. Yeah, that's wonderful. Love those personal connections. Uh, and I'm jealous I got to get that Target version with the extra chapters now. Man. <laughs> yeah, run out today. Uh, Ken, here's my final question about this book. Uh, do you want an expanded edition mm-hmm. <laughs> as more stories come in? And if so, how many years in between each edition is reasonable? You know, a couple of years. Come back to this. Let's see where we go. Uh, because uh, we've got um, I think a lot of Luke Skywalker storytelling potentially to hear. I'm not saying anything's coming. I mean, you know, we don't even have uh, Luke uh, rescuing this little green 50-year-old baby. You know, maybe we get a spectacular <laughs> of that. And the Kenobi series. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, uh, Vader slash Anakin in some way being in that show, uh, that's going to absolutely bring up some questions that I'd love to see how it fits into the big story. So, yep, uh, Kristen, fire up the old laptop. You'd be writing this in a couple of years if, if I have my uh, wish there. That's right. Yeah, I'd like maybe every five five years, uh, the, the special edition, the uh, incredibly special edition, the even more special edition, it can just go on and on until the, uh, the Grogu chapter is uh, mm-hmm. 800 pages long. There you go. <laughs> because he's going to be Grogu Skywalker eventually, right? Uh, he already is. He already is. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if he'll respect uh, disrespect Din that way, but no. uh, just joking, just joking. Uh, don't anybody get too upset about us. We we know Grogu is in a clan of two. All right, that has been our look at Skywalker Family at War. A great book uh, from uh, many different points of view. I think Ken, where can people find us? You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We are on Instagram and uh, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Podcast available on a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch can be uh, uh, obtained at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Four Center. You can find me at Kednapsock or go to Kednapsock.com for more information on other things I do. And Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can also follow all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Comedy albums and uh, links to my other podcast, Obsessed, and all sorts of different things. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for every single Skywalker out there, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.